Hey, it's Bao, and this is Coffee with Bao. This is a series where I chat with people who are doing great stuff in business, music, entertainment, pop culture, and more. And specifically, I like to focus on the topics of their cultural identity, their personal growth, and their creative process. Um, since this is one of our earlier episodes, I'd really love whatever feedback you can give me, so leave a comment or contact me at coffeewithbao.com. So let's meet our awesome guest today. Woo! So today I'm hanging out with a fellow Asian American. He's a、um, musician, producer, actor, entrepreneur, and general Renaissance man. <laughs> He plays a variety of instruments. He's produced records, including a Latin Grammy Award winning album for the band, The Lucky Band, which we'll talk about in a second. And he's currently working on a few different projects that are pretty interesting in music and entertainment. So here is my friend. Dale Edward Chung. What's up, Dale? Hey, how's it going, Bao? Man, thank you so much for joining me. I regret we can't do this in person, but it's like pandemic surge right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thanks for having me. Of course, man. I really appreciate you coming on. And,、um, you know, I really miss like seeing live events. We met at the Grammy Museum a few years back during a、um, songwriter conversation with Neo.、Oh, and.、Yeah. I missed like, those live music events so much, and I was wondering if the pandemic has been affecting you in any way in terms of、uh, live music and your work.、Uh, most definitely.、Uh, obviously, there's been zero live music. And I moved to LA about four years ago, and I've been working、uh, at the Whiskey A Go Go on their Tuesday night's Ultimate Jam Night as the house percussionist. That's the event so, where all the super pro session guys come and jam, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and, so, and, and basically, what it is like for most people, like the guest people, you know, they, have, they get one or two songs and you get a couple of days to learn them. And then you go on stage in front of 500 people and perform them. But for me and the house players, but especially for me as the percussionist, you know, I'm up learning upwards of 15 songs in a couple of days every week or whenever、wow. they call me.、Wow. But that, that's been gone this year. And so, and I have to admit, at the very beginning, When they were talking about eight weeks of self quarantine, I'm like, oh, this is a great vacation. Easy schmeasy. From, from, from doing that. But now that it's gone, you know, eight, nine months,、um, it's like I really, really miss doing that. And so hopefully we'll get it all together. And Me too, man. I miss just being in person with everybody. And、um, I, I hope we can get over this pretty soon. <laughs> yeah. So I'm a first generation American, but you, your family's been here since the 1800s, I think. We're one of the founding Chinese families in the Monterey Bay area. So that was like the late 1860s. For sure, the Civil War was, was just ending. Slavery actually was still in effect. Wow. And yeah, wow. We,、uh, there's a book called、uh, Chinese Gold. It's about the Chinese in the Monterey Bay area. And there's like a whole section on my family. My answers are actually on the cover of that book. Whoa, that's so crazy. <laughs> yeah, a guy named Sandy Lydon, who was a professor at Cabrillo College. And yeah, he was doing all this research. He contacted, I think, my cousin. And so that, that really, you know, that filled in a lot of gaps. You know, but for, <laughs> years I, it's for years, I said, you know, I'm proud. I'm a proud illegal immigrant because so what I knew was that my family didn't come through Angel Island, which was the immigration center for the Asians or everyone coming in from the East. And so, and one of my aunt's friends, she was the chair of the Asian American Studies Department at UC Santa Barbara. And I said that to her, and she's like, no, no, no. 
You're not ill, you, your family's not illegal immigrants because immigration didn't exist in America when your family got here. Whoa. <laughs> oh, that's even better. That's super interesting. How did your family make their way yeah. to the Bay Area where you were born and grew up? Well, I guess that was the metropolitan area kind of California, really, or the West Coast was San Francisco. And so at the turn of the century, they just started making their way there. I think they're, so, I, what is it, my great, great, great grandfather, whatever, whatever that is. He was doing, he was a fisherman, right? So he was kind of a businessman. Oh, so we also had the first souvenir stand on 17 Mile Drive. That's and awesome. so, That's awesome. yeah, so he used to polish abalone shells, like, like, like fine jewelry. So there was always kind of a, a loop of business that was happening and so i think at the turn of the century they finally decided that that's where they needed to go was to san francisco my segment moved to berkeley eventually landed in berkeley cool um what were you like as a kid before you became like a, a musical adult well when i was in like elementary school i i think i wanted to be an actor although i didn't really do a lot of acting but in my head, I wanted to do that. Um, and so like in middle school is when I just kind of discovered music. I, I, I had listened to music with my brother's records and stuff like that as a, as a kid. I came from a family of music appreciators and a very eclectic group of appreciators. My stepfather was a big country music fan. My mom was kind of a pop, big band, Frank Sinatra kind of thing. Uh, and they both loved Elvis because he was the, the meeting point of all of that. Then my brothers were into like pop and R&B. And I think what I wanted was to be in the spotlight, which was, is kind of weird. Um, <laughs> but so when I thought about, you know, I want to be an actor or whatever, when I was in elementary school, you know, I think it was really, I just want, I want to be the center of attention. <laughs> so let me get this straight. You were one of those kids who loved to perform and loved creative stuff, but you somehow ended up getting a regular job for a while before you actually said, man, screw this, I'm going to go do music. Yeah, you know, once I, once I got into music, and, and really that was high school when I met people who were in bands, right? And I'm like, oh my God, is this, a, is this something? I was taking piano lessons at that time, but I had friends that were in bands and they were doing like gigs, like they were playing in bands with their older brothers who yeah. were old enough yeah. to play in like clubs. And so I started roadieing for them, but I was like, oh, so you can be in a band? <laughs> and play awesome. songs on the radio? Uh, that's that's kind of how, how how it went and and yeah i worked but every job that i had was all to justify like buying buying equipment for recording or keyboards or drums uh, or okay whatever okay. right and then and then eventually i became a creature of habit i had the job you know although in my head i'm a musician i'm this artist yeah um, <laughs> but the reality was that i wasn't you know, it was, it was really kind of a hobby thing. Um, but then I also had friends who went from like high school to playing with like Prince, yeah, getting record deals on their own. And that, that came and went, you know, and I kept working, you know, I was making money. Then one day, you know, I just became, fed, not fed up, but it's like, you know what? I gotta give this a shot. I have to try this. And, and yeah. so that was, uh, that was probably like 18 years ago. You know, so I, it was late. You know, I started focusing on this later in life. Not that I'm super old, but, you know, <laughs> I wasn't, you know, wasn't out of high school, you know, and it was like, okay, so 
either I'm going to try this or I'm not, you know, and, and I, and I knew it was kind of a crazy idea, you know, cause I didn't come from a family of artists, but my family itself is super eclectic. We're all into different things. And I was like the weird, <laughs> um, artist dude. <laughs> of course. Um, it wasn't something that I was like, okay, I'm just going to go for it. Like I had this a job and it was like, okay, so I like living. I like paying rent. I like doing that. And I just felt that at one point that I just never gave it a shot. So that's what I did. I sat down on the porch with my mom and asked her what she thought because she was I knew she was the only one that would tell me the truth. Yeah. That either I'm yeah. nuts or I should go for it. And she's, you know, after I talked with her, she's like, son, if you feel that strongly about it, you know, you should go for it. Right. Wow. Let's, I literally wow, let's, let's get real right deep out. into this a, a little later in the conversation. But I, I don't know if you All know, right. but I'm kind of doing that right now. I had a false start a couple years ago, but like this year I just said, you know, I'm going to regret it if I don't try. And so here I am making music and content. <laughs> oh, that's, yeah, that's awesome. Like I, you know, I encourage everyone to do that. I also believe everything happens when it's supposed to happen, but it won't happen unless you try. Absolutely. Um, especially in this, you know, especially in the arts and entertainment, because so many people don't really think that that's a viable option and it can be. You know, I, there are tons of failures for sure. It's not like going and getting a degree in accounting and going to work for some corporation, you know, yeah, or totally. becoming a CPA. Totally. So, so eventually, um, I don't know if this is before or after you moved to LA, but eventually you got linked up with the band Confunction, who um, I thought had disbanded, but you guys were touring in the 2000s, right? Yeah, I played with them for 13 years. That actually was not in LA at all. Oh. So that they, I got hired with Confunction like a year and a half after I quit my job in 2002 or 2003, something like that. How did they, uh, yeah. how did you get linked up with those uh, folks? Uh, that was by chance. So when I quit my job, I didn't really know a lot of musicians, you know? So I called up a friend who was playing in a lot of cover bands. And so I was working for them for like $25 a gig. But it so happened this one week, it was this little dive bar in Pleasanton, California uh, called Poppy Lounge. And the drummer that they had subbing that weekend was the drummer for Confunction. And so we played the first set and the drummer gets up and he's like, dude, you're bad. Give me your number. That's so, awesome. <laughs> yeah. So that's kind of how it happened. It didn't happen right away. I got called for this one-off gig, um, six shows in the Bay Area. And so I just thought it was a one-off thing. And then at the end, the road manager came up to me and he was like, give me your number. So and I gave him my card, like I gave you my card. Um, <laughs> That's awesome. And then I said to the drummer, his name was Darwin. I said, hey, Darwin, um, you know, Ricky, Ricky asked for my number. And he was like, oh, that's great. That's great, because uh, that means he's going to call you. Eventually he did. You know, what, what kind of happened was, so I quit my job. And I'm thinking, well, I can always rely on my mom if, if something happens, right? Wow. And then she passed away like maybe three, four months after that. And so once I, when I gave Ricky my, my number, I didn't want to call him, you know, because I didn't want to be like that, that, that guy that goes out on the date with the girl and then you he call too soon right or too much. <laughs> yeah. Right. So, so I'm like, okay, I'm just going like, to like wait it out. And I didn't hear from him for months. And then when my mom died, I had this realization that was like, okay, dude, so here you are, you're making, you're making, you're doing these little gigs, um, not really making a whole lot of money. And so what are you going to do? And so I emailed Ricky and I was just, Hey, I'm just checking to see what's going on. And he was like, Oh, well, I'm glad you called or I'm glad you email. He was like, what are you doing? May 15th. 
we're doing the Knoxville Coliseum for the Tom Joyner Morning Show. Like, can you do it? I'm like, yeah, I could do that. Right? And so, so I did that. And then he called me back. I remember he called me back. And so I had one of those flip phones, right? And the only, like, there was no <laughs> yeah. camera on it back then. And it had a calendar on it. I remember he called me. He's like, hey, what are you doing like Memorial Day weekend? And I remember looking at my phone thinking, I don't know how to switch from the phone call to the calendar. <laughs> Did you hang up on him? <laughs> no, I didn't want to do that, right? So I said, you know what? Whatever Confunction's doing, if you're going to hire me, I'm doing it. <laughs> yes. <So>. That's awesome, <laughs> dude. <laughs> yeah, so he was like, well, we're playing in Aruba for like this, for HBO, for this, this thing called the Soul Beach Music Fest. And it was like all these groups, like India Irie, Cameo, The Gap Band, Confunction, this dude named Kim, who's a big artist now, um, but Fl Flowetry, they were all kind of, those groups were kind of getting started, but we were like the veteran, one of the veteran bands. And so he's like, yeah, are you available? Can you do Aruba? So, I don't want to get real excited. <laughs> 13 yeah. years of that. And in the meantime, yeah. you were able to do your own record. You were mm -hmm. able to uh, kind of start like a little business, right? And yeah. Like yeah. Your hustle. And you, uh, at that time, you also were able to join the Recording Academy as a member. So through my tenure with um, Confunction, you know, I was doing other gigs. So being, even being a touring musician, you do other gigs. You know, you got to keep your irons in the fire. So you gotta always have to have something, something going on. Yeah. Uh, yeah. In order to pay your bills and make a living. So after you left Confunction, you relocate to L.A. and you somehow got together with the Lucky Band, which opens up a no, new chapter in your life, right? Yeah, well, I had started playing with some guys that were in the Recording Academy. I'm like, how is it that ah. you're, you're in the Grammy thing, right? And they said, it's, it's based on your, your qualifications, like how many releases you have, blah, blah, blah. And I just happened to have enough of my own releases that I could join as a voting member of the Academy. And so the Recording Academy, it, it's not just the Grammys. It's a whole, like there's educational things. We, we help, you know, music in schools. Um, and there's a lot of meetups, right? And so we're kind of a family through these 12 chapters throughout the United States. Well, when the Grammys happen, you know, in January, that's like the big time when everybody kind of flies into LA. You know, you, you do the Grammys and you, you network and you drink and you eat and, you know, you, you catch up. But that's how I met the Lucky Band. I met Lucky through the Recording Academy. And I was actually on their album. I played on their album in 2015 when I was still living in Oakland. But then when I moved here, I, I, you know, I was staying in Airbnbs. I didn't really have a plan how I was going to do this. Just like I, when I quit my job, I didn't really have a plan. Like all my stuff was in storage 500 miles away up in Oakland. I had a keyboard, my laptop, and my DA converter to try and create. It was super difficult to do that. But Lucky called me up. He's like, hey, he kind of knew maybe I was moving because I didn't really make any big announcement about it. I just sort of left. Um, and he's like, hey, so, so what are you doing? And I literally was sitting in a, in a nice loft in downtown LA in the Arts District. And I'm like, uh, I'm here. And he said, oh, well, good. I've been meaning to ask you, do you want to come on board as one of the producers and a band member? Uh, awesome. You know? Awesome. And I'm like, are you kidding? Absolutely. So this so story has a great um, milestone, which is it gave you your first Latin Grammy for producing yeah. that record. Well, producing the record and being a, a group member. And, and really, there are several producers of the album, so I don't want to say I'm the only producer yeah, of the you. album. Yeah. Uh, I listened to well, the lucky. album this morning while making breakfast. And, um, you know, like when you think about 
children's music or music made for children's entertainment, you think like oversimplified, really, really right, basic. Like Barney. Yeah, but it wasn't. It was like it was good, real music. And I super appreciated yeah. that. Well, that's one thing about being in the recording academy. And again, this is all due. I wouldn't have met them if I wasn't a member of the academy. Um, I didn't really listen. You know, I don't have any kids. I have nieces and nephews, but <laughs> you know, they listen to whatever I'm listening to. But but so I never really listened to kids music because I thought just like you did that it was Barney. You know, that was kids music, and that that's not good to me. And so once I started meeting real children's music artists. I'm like, wow, this is amazing. This is like really good music. Like some of it's jazz, some of it's rock and roll, some of it's reggae. Yeah, like it's, it's crazy. like really and really it's like the music itself is like the music of Earth, Wind and Fire. It's just they're singing about different, you know, the the vocals are different. Not sex, drugs yeah. and rock and roll. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Um so the album that you helped produce is called uh, Buenos Dias. And it got the 2019 Latin Grammy for... It's the best children's album. Yeah, that's awesome. You had a record of your own, which I want to show an image of right now. In addition okay. to the Lucky Band, Dale has his own record that he put out maybe like four years ago. It's called Love four Is. Four five years ago. Dale's artist name is D. Edward. I think the music goes into some R&B, some jazz some latin grooves it's like really interesting music but i think you guys are gonna love dale's voice <laughs> the ceo over at smoothjazz.com compares it to daryl hall robbie robertson darius rucker and recently ray lamontaine which i totally agree with it's soulful rugged and sexy she says and you can find dale at dedwardmusic.com and uh yeah look him up he's dale that Album was really great. My favorite track is Mesmerized, for sure. Oh, awesome. It's catchy. It's great production. Um, you know, aside from the physical trophy, obviously it's cool because you get to take photos with it, and a Grammy winner next to your name, what other doors has, you know, being involved with that project open for you? Well, um, it's opened uh, a few, you know, it, it's still pretty new, you know, and we went into the pandemic and self-quarantine, like, like we were supposed to go to Mexico and record um, at this amazing studio down there. And so that's been put on hold probably until after we, we get over all of this. Um, but I've been asked to do like some really cool gigs um, that didn't happen. Oh, didn't happen yet playing with some amazing people it's it's definitely opened some doors and i don't want to say that my entire life has changed because i won that award and i have that trophy yeah but it's definitely a thing where people start to take notice of you people you know if i have something that i'm doing more powerful people are like oh what exactly are you doing and Got let's it. let's talk Got about it. that right and so those are really the doors that have really started to open and they're still opening. Again, the pandemic kind of threw a loop into everything. It just shut down everything. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The thing is that goes for me for the rest of my life. I get to say that I've won that award and being the kind of marketing hustler that I am, you know, it's always something that kind of used, not as a brag thing, but as a tool to speak to people and open those doors and you know maybe work on bigger projects work with 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 bigger people and so the doors are still opening one day like i i still do my laundry i still you know i still have <laughs> to do awesome. my dishes <laughs> my house is still a mess 
<laughs> <laughs> so now you've got your studio in uh, Burbank or North Hollywood? It's in Burbank. Actually, my studio is actually in my house. Yeah. Um, now, since I've been here in LA, I've moved in and out of two studios. And the first one was because Lucky called me and said, hey, you want to you know, help produce this album and be on the, on the album. That album was called Made in LA. And I'm like, yeah. And so the first thing I had to do was drive back up to Oakland um, and, grab your stuff. and get all my <laughs> yeah, musical equipment and then find a recording space. And so I did that and, and I had that for, for probably two, three years. And then I moved into a bigger studio with some partners. Having to share my space was, was not ideal for me, you know, just because I'm, I'm used to having my own space. But, but that worked out. And then coincidentally, I decided that I was going to move out just coincidentally. And then the pandemic hit. So I just went ahead and kind of converted, you know, my space in Burbank at my house to be my, my studio. So, and I have clients coming in. It's not, you know, it's not super fancy. Like it's not right. super fancy, right. but it works. Yeah. Um, and your own record too, right? Yeah. I'm working on some new music. So Starita Records, I kind of, signed a, a small deal with before the pandemic <laughs> uh, they're gonna re they're releasing a remix album or EP of some of the songs from love is oh cool uh, but that's coming that's gonna be coming out at some point uh, and then I'm working on actual new music yeah uh, which has yeah. been good and and you know I I'm lucky that when I moved to LA four years ago I've been busy right so I haven't worked on any of my own music. Um, I'm going to remind people, so Dale's working on new music, which you can't hear yet, but uh, <laughs> if you want to check out his yeah. existing music, you can go over to dedwardmusic.com. His last album is called Love Is, and his artist's name is d.edward. Let's take a little break. Hey friends, not sure if you know this, but I serve on the board of a nonprofit called the Slants Foundation. We're a volunteer-driven organization that provides resources, scholarships, and mentorship to Asian American creatives looking to incorporate activism into their art. We also produce events that feature these talented creators. Our last virtual concert helped over 500 people register to vote for the very first time. You can learn about and support the Slants Foundation by visiting theslants.org. Thanks, and see you soon. Let's get back to the show. Um, so Dale, when we met at the Grammy Museum, you gave me your card, obviously, and you know, like in LA, it's like giving somebody your card is kind of like a like a flex type of thing, and it's usually <laughs> not like let's keep in touch, right? Uh, and I'm so grateful that you're actually like a, a nice, kind human being that that is open to other people, and I'm sure that has a ton to do with your success in the industry and just around town. And um, I want to just talk about like you know, you just making that leap to say, okay, I don't want to do work work and then do music on the side. I want to like do this thing that makes me happy and this is what I'm talented at. I guess that's a long lead up to say, I'm pretty sure it hasn't always been super easy and success doesn't always just come right away. Like what were some of the other stuff that you had to do to like get by while you're pursuing your, your real passions? Um, you know, I, especially at the beginning, Again, I didn't have a plan, so and I don't always recommend that, but um, you know, I just quit my job and realized, well, I don't have any gigs. I don't have any music gigs. And then I was doing those $25 gigs, and it's like, mm, that's not really paying my rent. Yeah. So I, I, I came to the realization that I did want to do music for a living, obviously, but 
I really didn't want to go work for someone else. Like I didn't want to do a regular job anymore. And so yeah. I, what was I good at? You know, I kind of assessed myself and I could make, at the time I could make websites. I was like doing HTML by hand, yeah. you know, in text, <laughs> in text files. And so um, I've learned that there are programs that you can actually not do that. But then I did like, I was doing like graphics for people, um, website designs, um, you know, that helped to tide me over. And, you know, every now and then I take a part-time job, you know, I do whatever it took to get me, you know, to pay my rent and to keep food on my table. Yes. That's what I did. Yeah. And yeah, well, you gotta have like a hundred coals in the fire at the same time, right? Yeah. You know, I, I kind of had diverse skills then. Uh, now I have many more diverse skills in the entertainment That's awesome. world. Awesome. Your surrounding musical network, your professional network, looks pretty diverse from what I've seen. And I was wondering if being a Chinese American in the industry has that ever factored into your dealings in the industry, positively or negatively? Uh, yeah, yeah, it has. Actually, that's why I have the I created the name D. Edward, you know, which is Dale Edward, middle mm -hmm. name was my very first album that I did as a singer. I have other albums where I'm not singing, you know, I'm kind of doing the production and the mm. music and I'm working with singers. But when I first started singing, you know, cause I was doing like this bluesy R&B kind of thing. I knew about the music business, you know, like back in the old days, they'd have like black groups and they wouldn't put their pictures on the cover. And that like back in the, I guess the, maybe the fifties, sixties, uh, that's kind of how it was, and so so I know that, and and I know the music business and and the entertainment business. While it seems like it's this bastion of acceptance and liberalism, it's not really. You know, people can sometimes be very narrow in it, and so I created the name D. Edwards. So my first album was called Little Red Box, and it didn't have any pictures of me on it, and so I just wanted people to just listen to the music. Yeah. And and make your judgment there. And then you can see what I look like. And actually, so when I gave that album to the road manager of Confunction, he emailed me back. He was like, dude, I love the album. He's like, but who's D. Edward? <laughs> <laughs> you know, because I knew that there was a, not a stigma, but there's a preconceived notion. Yeah. If I was a piano player or guitar player or a, a you know, classical pianist or violinist, no problem. But being a, a singer who's doing, you know, as a, and I'm American, right? While, while I'm an Asian American, I'm Chinese American, you know, I'm from here, right? Because that's the beauty of yeah. America. We're all Americans. And some people, some people were like, you know, maybe you should just go into the light in your Asian-ness. But, you know, I didn't do that. You know, when I was a kid, I didn't see a lot of actors uh, on television or in film that were heroic or sexy or... So. Yeah, that's really fascinating, Dale, because um, I feel like now the tide is changing a little bit, and I'm just hoping that I and a few of my contemporaries now are just going to force you know, that door open and kind of ride the front of the wave. Uh, I'm really happy to see things changing, but I asked you that question because I kind of knew the answer already. <laughs> yeah. The thing is, like, create good music. Create great music, and and you, you will get through. You know, I remember, I think it was back in the 80s, I think it was, Luther Vandross produced this guy, his name was Jerry Wu, and he was a Chinese guy, you know, I think he was a teenager then, but he was like singing like soulful songs. He even had a song called Almanize, which is, that's a whole age, like Asian <laughs> yeah. thing, right? And I was like, oh, and he was like, like Luther Vandross produced him, so you know, he's amazing. 
you know, and so he was really, I think, the first Asian to have like a, you know, a hit in, pop in R&B song. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, in my entire life, yeah. <clears throat> so I, I think a lot of your highlights of your career are, are pretty well publicized already. But um, you've been doing this for, what, 18 years? What are some of the low points, the areas where you were like, wow, this is like a lesson that I'm learning to move ahead with? Um... Well, I guess it depends on who you're working with, but there's no real loyalty in music <laughs> in the entertainment business. Not for me, like I'm loyal. I'm a loyal person, but that part of it is something I had to learn. Oh, probably, you know, make sure all your legal ducats are in a row. That's the thing, and that's not necessarily something I learned, you know, in the 18 years. That's just being in the music business. Spend that money on an on a entertainment lawyer to make sure all the contracts are right. I work with an accountant to make sure all, all your money is right. As Ray Parker once said, I saw in a documentary, Ray Parker Jr., uh, who wrote Ghostbusters. And he's like, yeah, because in this business, people go down to zero because they don't wash their money, right? And they, they don't take care of the business, business end of things. And that is probably one of the most important things I would say that yeah. I've learned. That's awesome. Well, that's really good advice for all of us. <laughs> I guess regardless of industry, you know, if you're out there doing in uncharted waters, just like try to do things properly, right? Yeah, right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <clears throat> so, you um, know, I've heard that your personal motto is think rabbit. <laughs> 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 and I, I, I love that. And I think um, it'd be awesome if you can explain that to the audience. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that's kind of that's kind of a. a it's, it's funny, it's, a, it's kind of a lowbrow way of, of thinking, but that's me. So if you've ever watched the, uh, Bugs Bunny, the, you know, the Warner Brothers cartoons, there's this monster, I think he's an orange monster, he's this hairy monster and he's like trying to kill Bugs. You know, like Bugs, like he pretends every, everything, he pretends to be a character to try and get away from this monster's grip. At one point he's like a hairdresser and he's like putting curlers in his hair and there are sticks of dynamite. <laughs> So there's this one scene where the monster is getting ready to pounce on Bugs and Bugs is lying on the floor, you know, and he goes, think, rabbit, you know, because he had to think his way out of it. And so that's kind of how I live. Like, I don't try to meet people to see what they can do for me. You know, I'm not that kind of person. You know, I, I like to meet people who are good people. I like to hang around people who are genuine. Uh, it's great if they're successful. It's, it doesn't matter if they're not. That's how I've been able to kind of keep all these irons in the fire, to think of new things, to kind of reinvent myself. So it's, that's what my motto, it's like, think rabbit. Like, what do you, how do you, so you're in this situation, what are you going to do? Yeah, that's you know, awesome. And how, awesome. Yeah, and how are you going to get out of it? You know, and, and, and not, nothing is ever a straight line. You make this decision and that gives you a whole other palette of decisions that you can make. So yeah. that's kind of how, how my life has worked. And it's never been a straight line. I love that. That's a really great, you know, that, that motto is so cool. <laughs> but it's, it also just opens up this like view into the way that you solve your problems and the way that you approach all the many challenges that you've, you know, seen. So that's really cool. I have this question for you that's a personal one for me. <laughs> now that I'm attempting to do what you did, like a decade ago, I just uh -huh. go out and, and not spend 80% of my life working for somebody else. <laughs> right. What have you learned that you can teach me about just becoming more immersed in the network and, and being, you know, a part of the, the greater population of creatives in this industry? 
Well, you're already in a good place. You're in LA. You know what I used to tell people when I moved, when I was thinking about moving to LA in Oakland and, and people would say, well, why, why do you want to do that? And I would say, like if we were in a cafe or whatever, like you look around and most of the people in this room in the Bay Area, you know, they're probably somehow related to the tech world or something, something else. But you go to LA into a coffee shop, most everybody in there is somehow related to the entertainment world because LA is the entertainment capital of the world. And maybe they're not all artists, but you, you know, you'll find like screenwriters, producers, actors, musicians, you'll find people that are accountants for Warner Brothers, you know, just the yeah. whole the whole thing, right? And that's LA. As far as the entertainment world, you're in the right place. And so it's just a matter of doing like what you're doing is meeting people, right? So I always tell people, if you want to do something and be successful at it, hang around those people who are doing it, right? And who are successful at it. And, and like, don't hang around assholes. <laughs> <laughs> but I've found that for me in my world, LA hasn't been an abundance of those types of people. They've been all welcoming, helpful people. Uh, that's what I found about the uh, Recording Academy, was all those people who are in the Recording Academy do this for a living. That's why they're able to be accepted into the Recording Academy. And so all of those people who I've met, they've all been super helpful to me over the years. And that's one of the things I love about, you know, meeting all those people. And they're like super successful. It's like, oh, but they love what I do, right? And they're, they'll recommend me or they'll have me on their projects. Go find those people. Where are they, you know, wherever they're hanging out, go hang out there and meet those people. If there's, net, you know, obviously this year, 2020 is not a great year for in-person networking, right, but right, right, right. when they do start happening, those get to, get to meet people who are doing those things you want to do and hang out with them because that's what's going to, you're going to learn more from them and opportunities I think will come up much more often than if you weren't, right? Yeah. Go hang out with those people. So, you know, now that you're working on some new projects, like what is a skill or, or something that you're trying to level up on either personally or professionally? Like what are you, what's your next area of growth? Well, I'm, I'm actually working as a producer, like for film. You know, this is again, this is hanging around people who, you know, are kind of like-minded people. Uh, right now, you know, I'm really learning like the real ins and out of filmmaking. Not just, not just the independent thing where, where you're just, you got a camera and some friends and you have an idea and a script, you know, but learning that aspect of it, like the real aspect of it, you know, starting a film LLC, that whole different level of filmmaking. That's what I'm working on right now. I started awesome. doing some sound, sound design over the course of the pandemic, uh, which that's a whole other thing. So that's a combination. So sound design for me as a recording engineer, producer type, I know how to do that, but working on film, like creating the sounds for film, you know, working with dialogue, um, and then placing the music, not necessarily creating the music, but doing that whole sonic landscape yeah yeah that's a whole yeah, yeah. different thing you know i i always looked at myself as being the person in charge so i really like the whole producer thing i like being mm. talented too so i like acting but the producing part has been challenging and exciting and it's a it's a big deal yeah like you know yeah. you start you're starting a business in in the film world it's a huge steep learning curve dude good luck with that um 
I'm around. If you need any of my skill sets, hit me up. Awesome. Um, I, I really appreciate you spending time with me, Dale. It's like been such a nice chat and uh, really nice to get to know you like on a different level like this. This is cool. Thank you. <laughs> I had a good time. Awesome. So my guest today, y'all have been, has been Dale Edward Chung. His musical act is called D. Edward. And uh, he's a member and producer of the Lucky Band. Actually, he's a Grammy, a Latin Grammy Award winning member and producer <laughs> of the Lucky Band. <laughs> and you can find him at dedwardmusic.com. Thanks for this conversation. Thanks for spending time with me um, and sharing your story too. Um, can you hang on while I give a little outro and then I'll come back and uh, say a proper goodbye? Sure. Awesome, man. Thanks. Hey, thanks for joining Dale and I for um, this conversation. You know, it's been really cool to do this show. I really appreciate that you guys have been tuning in. Now that I've heard a few bits of feedback, uh, what I need from you is just to share this. If you like this content, share it with people. It's like a nice thing to absorb during this weird time where we're all isolated. So anyway, if you want to reach me, hit me up at coffeewithbao.com. Thank you so very much, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for having Coffee with Bao and Dale. You want to see our beautiful mugs while we chat? Coffee with Bao is also available in video. Just search for it on YouTube and hit the subscribe button.